Hello, and welcome to the Board Librarians Podcast, Episode 1, The Deluvia Project, a game by Alexandre Garcia. My name is Brian. And I'm Elizabeth. And we are librarians, and we're here to talk about board games. games. We did it in unison. Awesome. Um, we're going to tell about first ourselves. Try. Yeah, first try. So we're going to tell a little bit about ourselves, introduce ourselves, since this is the first episode. I'm Brian, and I'm a librarian, and I love board games. I've been into board games since I was about... I would say a kid. I started playing Monopoly and Risk and Careers and all those typical games that you play that you could find in your big box stores. But then I started to play trivia games and I said, these are fun. They're social. They're more entertaining than video games because you actually get to do them with your friends face to face. So I had a bunch of parties and I invited people over. We did some trivia questions and I said, wait a second. These games they have limited questions. You play them for a certain amount of times and you start running out of question cards and it's like, this game is now a piece of garbage because you know all the questions. Not literally garbage, but you know what I mean. So, it would get old quickly. It would get old. We actually had this game called Bezel Wizard. Has anyone heard of that game? Do you remember that game? Yes. It's a trivia game where you can steal points from other players. It was a lot of fun, except we ran out of question cards and there were no expansions. So basically the game was a piece of trash. And... So then I started playing more complicated games such as Agricola, which is a farming simulation game, and it's very complex. I bought that, and I was completely dumbfounded. I'm like, how do you play this game? There's a lot of rules, a lot of pieces. I went online on YouTube, and I discovered how to play it. And then from there, I started to buy a few more games. I bought a game called Puerto Rico, Princess of Florence, and my game collection went from about 20 games to about 50. Then I remember celebrating my 100th game, and now, fast forward about three years later, I'm at 250 games, which is my max. One of these days, I like to talk about what games I like to get rid of and why I get rid of them. But now we're going to have Elizabeth talk about herself. Elizabeth, tell about your history about board games. Tell us about your job and anything you want to share about your life. So I am also a librarian. And I played games when I was younger like Risk and Monopoly and Clue. Just thought of something when you were talking about your games. But um, I liked playing Monopoly when I was younger because I actually had a cash register I bought when I was in fifth grade. I went to Costco. Was it metal? It, was it metal? Um, was it plastic? The drawer was metal. Really? But the cash register itself, like the buttons, the top part was plastic. And um, I liked to play with like fake money. So I liked to be the banker when we played Monopoly. And Did you cheat? I did not. Okay, good. I was a very honest banker. I believe it. I believe it. Yeah, I played by the rules. I still do play by the rules. But, yeah, that was, like, one highlight. We liked playing Monopoly because we liked playing with the cash register. And, um, yeah, Clue. All right, so you were talking about video games and stuff. And I remember on Super Nintendo, I had Clue. Did you ever play Clue on Super Nintendo? I did not. All right, so um, if you don't remember Clue, Clue, you have, like, your own cards, and then you have to guess what cards are in the envelope. But the thing about playing it on the video game is when Player 2 was looking at their cards, they were projected on the screen, so you had to make sure, like, Player 1 wasn't looking you at you. cover your eyes? Yeah, it was, like, the worst game to play on a video game. <laughs> When you talk, think about it. talk about bad game design, seriously. Yeah, so uh, when you were talking about those games, I just remembered that, and I was like, what? And tell us some of the things you're known for. Tell us about some of your animals that you have at home. Um, so I'm kind of like Old McDonald's, but I'm not 
olds or a man. But I have um, chickens and I have goats and I have horses and I have um, some dogs. And um, yeah, so you're going to notice when we're playing games, I really like the ones that have like animals and stuff. And the other thing you're going to notice is I'm terrible at remembering the names of board games. So, um, yeah, we were talking about how Brian calls these games like his babies, but um, I don't even remember the names of, like, my chickens, so <laughs> I'm a terrible mom. <laughs> it's okay. How do you keep track of your different chickens? So, um, they have these color-coded bands that they wear on their ankles. Um, other people will put the plastic bands on. I like to use the Velcro color-coded because I like to be able to change them and take them off. If they grow, you know, the little chickens, their legs get bigger, so I like to be able to adjust it because I think it's nicer to do. That's a cool way to keep track of them for sure. Yeah. So would you like to start talking about our game of the day? Yes. So the Deluvia Project, I'm going to give you a brief overview, is a two-to-four-player game with some worker placement and you're going to be building a city in the sky. And the city is going to be consisting of several buildings and some parks, as well as some propellers which help the city stay in the air. And the first part of the game is the market phase. In the market phase, you're going to be taking your little zeppelin or blimp, and you're going to be pointing to a row or column. Each row or column has four tiles in it, and the tile that's closest to your Zeppelin is going to cost one arrow, which is the currency in this game. Did you know that? I didn't know that the whole time. I thought it was just money. <laughs> and the second tile costs two, and so on and so forth. And you're going to buy these tiles, and these tiles are going to give you benefits, such as getting some free resource cylinders, possibly getting a special end-game bonus, some in-game bonuses, getting some free money. So it's a lot of different things. What did you think about the market phase of the game? Did you like it? Well, here's what I'm going to say is that this is a game where player order matters. I was not the first player, so I got blocked out a lot. Um, yeah, the, um, the way you can choose to purchase things in the market, your row can intersect with another player's row. So if player one were to buy the one that you wanted, you can't get that piece. So... There is an ability to change the player order, which Elizabeth chose not to do. You're going to notice that I rarely do that in the games that we review. But some games it's very important, and this game is extremely important because you do get first dibs on certain things. The second phase of the game is the action phase in which you do most of your turns. You can change the player order. You can get free money. You can reserve a spot on the board. You can change the income of a building. You can build a building. There's a lot of different options, and you have a special super worker which can do a special ability if you're the first person to go to that space and use your special worker. What did you think of the special worker? The special worker was pretty special. <laughs> he was like two workers put together, but he was actually taller than two workers put together. The special worker, though, so let's say if you were the first one to put your special worker down, you got a bonus, but if you were to be the second person that put a special worker down on that spot, you did not get a bonus, so you had to use your special worker carefully. That was one of the cool elements about the game. So I did like the worker placement part. One of the, there's, two dif there's a lot of different currencies in this game. There's prestige and there's population, and ultimately your population is going to be your points. But your prestige is important because it makes you famous in the game, 
And it also lets you get population points. Every 10 points, you get to score your population. And your population is based on how many buildings you build. So the more buildings you build, the more possible points you can earn. And they kind of stack as the game goes on. What did you think about that part of the game? I was pretty um, prestigious in this game. <laughs> she did spend a lot of time focusing on prestige. Yeah, and I feel like usually I don't, like I feel like usually I'm not paying attention to that stuff until it's too late in the game, and I'm like, oh no, I'm going to lose. What did you think about the artwork of the game? Did you find it to be beautiful? Um, it was nice, but I would say it was kind of bland. It was very white. I mean, I guess you were living in the clouds. So I forgot we were living in the sky in this game. Only the Zeppelins, like I just, I forgot we were playing the sky. There weren't enough clouds. Yeah, the, it, the art was kind of strange looking too. There were buildings. The buildings didn't have names on them. I would have liked there to have been some personalization. Like instead of it being some strange looking plant-based thing in the sky, it could have been, oh, this is the hotel in the sky. or this Do is I the... want the little square, the rectangle, or the big square? Yeah, that's pretty much. It was basically a matter of this square is this size, and this gives you this income. It was a little mechanical. There wasn't a lot of theme to it. Which is unfortunate because it would have been nice to have a little bit more flavor to the game. Yeah, and sometimes we buy buildings just for their names in other games, even though it does not help us at all with the scoring. We're just like, ooh, let's get the library. And that's usually when we like fight over first. We do fight over the library <laughs> in other do. games. And there are games that have libraries in it, which is another podcast we could possibly talk yeah. about games that have libraries. But in this case, the buildings were uninspired, a little bland. But overall, I thought the gameplay itself was pretty fun. What did yeah, you think? I thought it flowed really nicely. You could see the pacing of the game. You can see how far into the game you were. Because sometimes you'll be playing a game and you feel like you have so much left to do. And then you're like, wait, it's it's over next round? Like, this one you can see how far you were in the game. And it just it felt like it flowed well. It had yeah. a nice flow. I felt like every turn I was doing something important. And if you plan ahead, you can get a lot of resources and build a lot of buildings at one turn. And I like how all the different mechanics kind of flowed into each other. It wasn't anything super, super special. Like, wow, this game is so different than any other game I've played. But I did enjoy the way the game flowed, like she said. But you did also have to pay attention. You had to plan your turn carefully because you could run out of money. You can run out of the workers. You can run out of those squares. <laughs> what were those squares called? The squares. The squares to reserve land. Oh, the cubes. They were just cubes. They were just cubes. They weren't even anything. This game doesn't have any special pieces. It has the generic cubes, the generic cylinders. It has some discs. Everything you could see in a board game that, if you're into the board game hobby, that's pretty that's common. Kind of like, the resources weren't... They were just colors. And, like, the board game, it was purple on the board, but the piece was pink. So that kind of... Sometimes when that happens, it's kind of like, oh. And they weren't shaped like anything. I would have known, like, what resources I was actually using. Like, other games, you would see the hay is shaped like hay. A pumpkin is shaped like a pumpkin. That brings me to a good point of the value of the game. I bought this at Gen Con, which is in Indianapolis, and the game was $70. Would what? you think it's worth $70? Um, I do not think so. I would say I would spend, like, $40 max on it. I bought it because it was a new release. This is actually the second edition of the game. The first edition came out in 2015. I never even saw it being for sale, but I do like city-building games, and I do like tile-laying games, so the double theme made it extra appealing to me. I think I would have been happy paying about 50 It was about $20 too high. You do get a lot of cardboard in the boxes, a lot of tokens and tile tiles. It's going to take you a long time to punch this game out. 
and the quality of the pieces is pretty good, I have to say. There were no flimsy cards. No, there's no cards, period, which Full is nice. Cardboard. And the game is by Tasty Minstrel Games, the second edition, and I like their games. They make a lot of nice quality games. They made the Pepper game, Scoville. So their their production value is very high, which and I have their to say. Pieces were shaped like peppers. Yes, that's a game so I don't have. So what anymore. happened this time around, huh? Yeah, I guess they didn't really make it too they fancy. Didn't think about it this time. No, there were no specially shaped meeples or pieces or resources. It was all just the very generic pieces, unfortunately. Yeah. So I'm not sure if the value was there, and a few knocks on the game. I thought the iconography was pretty brutal overall. I did not remember what half the tiles in the market meant. And I think that new players are going to have a lot of trouble. My friends and family don't usually use player A's. There is a nice one at the bottom of your board, but it doesn't tell you what every single icon means. But so it tells you when to use that piece. And I actually paid attention to the player aid. Told so it'll you, say, use it now, use it at the end. And I like that going. part of the game. But in terms of the board itself, there was a lot of um, pieces like the, the tiles. And it's like, what does this symbol mean? And there was a lot that Brian had to check in the rule book, which I also don't read. So. <laughs> Repeatedly, you have to check. And you can make a player aid. I would recommend photocopying something online, maybe on Board Game Geek, and looking at the player aids. They do have files you can download and have a player aid to give to players because I think that it's pretty, um, I think that's a good idea for sure. So we're going to go into our rating of this game. And we're going to rate this in a very unique way. Because we're librarians, we're going to rate it on a Dewey Decimal Scale. From zero, zero, 001, meaning it's the worst game you have ever played, to 999, which is the absolute best. We don't go to 1,000 here, folks. We only go from 001 to 999. And I'm going to talk about my rating first. I would give this game... Now, before I say this, I'd like to say that I enjoyed the game. I enjoyed playing it. I look forward to playing it again. It'll remain my collection for the time being. However, I would not play this with a new gamer. I would not play this with someone who's never played any kind of board games that are complicated. If they just played Monopoly, absolutely not. <laughs> a lot of rules, a lot of pieces, a lot of concepts you have to wrap your head around. If you don't want to work, if you don't know what worker placement is, it's a whole other topic you have to get into. So I would give this game though a 736 because I thought the game was entertaining. It was fun. It flowed nicely, and I think it would scale well with two to four players. It was pretty fun. What about you, Elizabeth? So before I give this a number rating, I'm going to say that Brian and I have different tastes to begin with. Um, so being librarians, we read a lot. I will say that if I gave a book a five-star rating on Goodreads, most of the time Brian gives it a one or two star and vice versa. If I give something like a one or two star, if I didn't like it, it's usually a book that Brian gave five stars. So something happens there where we just have opposite tastes. But once in a while, we do agree on a book. And it's usually... Actually, it's happened with books that we've given five stars and maybe like a three-star rating. We have agreed on books, but it just doesn't happen that often. So with that being said, I have to say I'm pretty on par with what you gave this game because I was going to give it like 701, something like that. So slightly lower. So overall, would you play it again? I would play it again, and um, I would also tag on to the fact of being careful who you played this with because if you have a friend that gets mad if you block them out of certain spots which did happen a lot in this game but I'm a good sport about that um, I would be careful about playing it with that type of person so you don't want someone like flipping the table on you if you block them out like I was going to take that piece 
because it is just a game. But I agree. Yeah. It's one of those games where you could offend somebody by taking their space. Well, thank you very much. And we hope you guys enjoyed our review of The Deluvia Project. We hope you enjoyed the first episode of The Board Librarians. The Board Librarians! We'd like to thank the Sachem Public Library for allowing us to use their beautiful recording space with these very professional microphones and the soundproof room. It's really nice. It's called The Booth at the Studio at the Sachem Public Library. And we hope you guys continue to tune in. Give us some feedback. We have our Instagram handles we're going to promote, and mine is at Brian Brings Board Games. Elizabeth? So um, I live through my dog. I told you I have a few dogs. Um, so if you check out my Instagram, my handle is the at sign. Is that how you say it? At? Yes. <laughs> Cricket Jack of Hearts. Um, and if you check out my Instagram, you're going to see that we will be posting photos of Flat Cricket. Um, librarian humor there. It's based off of the book Flat Stanley. So I have a photo of Flat Cricket featuring with like the the games we're playing. So um, we'll have a photo of Flat Cricket with what game did we play again? The Delivery Project. <laughs> I am so bad with remembering names. I'm not looking at the title in front of me. I just know that there were Zeppelins in it. So if we were to look at the board game, I'd be like, yes, we play that. So check out Cricket Jack of Hearts. Look for a Cricket, Flat Cricket with the board game we played. And thank you all for listening. And we hope you guys tune in next time for another board game review with the board librarians. The board librarians.